Hey, best friend. Welcome to the Opinionated and Melanated Podcast. I am your host and new best friend, Kimmy J. And today's episode is entitled, Because Mental Health. Because Mental Health. Um, This past week and um, all the weeks leading up to it have been really stressful. Um, And this past weekend was really hard to watch the news and be on social media because of all the mass shootings. And the one that happened um, right in my own backyard here in Indianapolis. And I made a podcast this weekend entitled It's Not Okay. And the episode really wasn't okay because I was in a very sad state. And I think a lot of us are. And it's important to talk about those things. But I wanted to talk about them with some perspective and some hope. And there wasn't a lot of that when I tried to record this episode this weekend. So I'm going to be sensitive to the topics at hand, um, and but I'm gonna speak from an honest place. And we are gonna have some laughs in, in between um, because life isn't all sorrow. There are some joys, there are some things of beauty and I don't want to lose sight of that even in these really, really hard times. So let's let's get started. best friend how are you no really seriously how are you how is your mental state are you talking to someone are you journaling are you seeing a therapist what are you doing to cope during these difficult times um this past week was really hard and this weekend everything kind of hit me really hard but it's a you know it's crazy just to say like this isolated week has been bad. We are living in some very tumultuous times in our nation, in our individual communities, at the world at large. Um this global pandemic is not over um and we've been in it for over a year, well over a year and it's a lot to take in. It's a lot to process and deal with every single day. There's something new. And then you have all of this uprising and violence. Um, it's just been a lot. And like I explained um, in my intro, I did make a, a podcast earlier um, over the weekend. And it just, it was me. It was what I was feeling. It's not angry and I'm not yelling or anything. Um, I'm more somber and very sad and there's a lot of stuff in that episode that need to be discussed but at the same time I did not want to present um the information that way I wanted more hope I wanted more light I wanted more positivity and so I just needed to take a minute and take a beat and take a rest and come back to it um because this week and and this weekend was really hard um, like I discussed, 
Uh, there was a mass shooting here in Indianapolis um, over the weekend. And sadly, the, it's not the first one of this year. Um, it was just, it just hit me. Um, and I will say this, I was up that night. Um, so this was Thursday night. Um, I realized I had never made a post for Adam Toledo and I really wanted to. It wasn't because I did not care. And I thought I need to post something about this and I don't have the words to say. And it's so heartbreaking that a 13 year old boy was killed by the police. He had no weapon. He was posing no threat and his hands were up and they killed him. And you see this little baby's face and it just breaks your heart. And I didn't have the word. So I thought I'm going to find a post to repost someone more elo eloquent than myself. And I will share that. And so I was looking, but I was looking very carefully because I did not want to see the video um, I didn't want to see any police cam or any footage from his murder. Um, and I've heard and I've read people say, please, for your own mental health, do not take a look at this video. Um, and I hadn't. And but I did want to find a post. So I was scared about just searching the hashtag of justice for Adam Toledo because I thought, oh, I don't want to see the footage. And so I was looking for a post and I'm scrolling through and I saw a still shot from the cam footage. And I thought it was a video. I thought I was about to start playing. And it just that the tear in his eyes and his hands up, um, it struck me really hard. It struck, it's striking me just to talk about it. And I began to cry. I put my phone down. I was just trembling and shaking. I was so scared to even open back my phone because at the time I wasn't sure if this was a video or if it was a picture and it ended up just being the still shot, but it was enough to, um, hit me emotionally. So it got me so flustered. Um, if you know anything about my sensitivity, um, and anxiety levels, I, it, it was enough to ruin my sleep. It was already late enough at night as it was anyway. So I was just up. I was just thinking. I was up. I was scrolling. I knew I had work in the morning, but I was up. I, could, I couldn't sleep. And so I was up like in real time awake when I'm seeing late. I'm seeing, you know, breaking news that there is an active shooter here in Indianapolis, um, near the airport. And I was like, what? Like I was trying to wrap my mind around it. I'm like, there's an active shooter like right now. Like, what am I seeing? Cause at first when I saw breaking news, I thought there's a car accident on the highway. You know, um, the airport is on a big stretch of highway. It, um, diverges into many, um, merges and things like that. And there's a lot of semis on the, on that, on this stretch of highway. So I thought it was an accident and no, it was an active shooter. Um, multiple victims already pronounced dead at the scene, people being rushed to the hospital. And I was just like, what is happening? And I'm looking at the road and I recognize the road, like where the, um, journalist was, uh, go, where he went live, like, you know, I know this area, I know this, this road, I 
driving all the time and it was just like what is going on and at the same time you know family are reaching out because I had family members who worked at that location on that shift um thankfully they don't work there anymore but you know some people outside of you know family out of state didn't realize that person no longer works there so they're calling me and asking like is you know are they there is who's safe like it was just really a lot and I was like I'm already I'm crying and I'm anxious and I'm up all night for this police brutality and and this young boy who was killed by the police and while I'm up stressing about that a mass shooting has just occurred like in my own backyard um it hit me really hard and and then to know these are these are the latest statistics in our country um we are 108 days into this year and there have been uh, over 150 mass shootings in the last 30 days days there's been over 46 mass shootings um that's crazy that is crazy and the fact that these things are happening mo many times with automatic weapons that no civilian ever needs and we we're still debating in this country whether or not these weapons are needed and and whether or not we need stricter gun uh regulations and when you know about this particular this fedex um mass shooting the um the shooter had a history of violence his mother um, as late as the end of 2020 had called the authorities about him and thought he could be a danger to himself and others. And it was not taken seriously and nothing was done to prevent him from being able to buy these weapons. He bought these weapons legally. He was not, um, these were not black market weapons. This young white boy, 19 years old, this man was able to purchase these weapons in this country and kill eight people and take his own life. Um, and and it, it has to be said that four of the eight victims were Sikh and part of the Sikh community here in Indianapolis. This looking more and more like it was in fact a hate crime. And, you know, they're saying that, and I know for a fact that the FedEx, um, the makeup of the workers there are very diverse. Uh, a lot of uh, many members are from the Sikh community and, and, and abroad, like very, a lot of, there are a lot of international, um, workers there. Um, and And I shared this on the podcast that I that I am not releasing, um, but I want to share this here because, um, I like I said I, I I live I live near this area where the shooting occurred, and I will say that um, I have seen a 
um, a change in our community because of FedEx, because of Amazon, and a lot of these big distribution centers here. It has made the the community more diverse, and um, it's even it's evident. I said, like I said, in our grocery stores and stuff, the you know just the people that I encounter, I'm seeing a difference. I'm seeing a difference in my neighbors and walking down the street and who's playing in our neighborhood, and it's been so great for me. Um, when I moved to this area, it, it wasn't a lot of diversity and I did feel a lot of alienation. I mean, I still do. Um, it's not like, um, we're at all the, the majority here. Um, but it, it was encouraging to see the influx of diversity just because of the, uh, the job availability and people coming to this area and you see apartment complexes going up, homes are being built because of the amount of jobs that are coming into this area. And I said, and I'm, I'm going to say again that I was so encouraged. And the reason I, I didn't mind one of the reasons why I didn't mind staying in this area is because I was hopeful and encouraged by the amount of diversity that was coming. You could see it on our shelves. You know, we're getting Shea Moisture and My Dark and Lovely was on the shelf. My Mango Oil was on, you know, so you could see it. It was, it's been a definite shift and change in the, in the environment here. And it was, encur- it is encouraging to me and a blessing to me to see that. And I, and I, but I didn't think about all those who it would anger. And all those who would feel that something was taken from them because of the access to people that don't look like them have to this community now. And it just is heartbreaking. And 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 I'm looking for more evidence. And of course, more things will come out in days to come. But the fact that four members were from the Sikh community, um... You know, it's looking more and more like a hate crime, but I know because of the amount of diversity at FedEx, you know, there was a chance for more people of color to be hurt, but it does, it does look like a hate crime. Um, four of, four of the eight victims were over 60. Um, he was killing elderly people. Um, one, one of them, um, you know, one was in their 70s of that four people. One was in their 70s. And then you had two 19-year-old girls, you know, the same age as him. One was a 2020 IPS student graduate. She just graduated in 2020. This is her first job since graduating high school. She'd been at the job a week. Um, and she's gone now. Um, and you're seeing, and we're putting a face to the, the people, the victims, and we're being able to tell their stories and their stories deserve to be told. Um, and it, and it is hard to hear and it does weigh on you mentally and art. (laughs) Our community is suffering. Um, and then you still have people who are prioritizing guns and the money in which they bring in and the the corporations and NRA and they're protecting them and they're not protecting people. Um that 
It didn't have to happen in my backyard to care. It hadn't happened in my backyard for me to care. Um, and so I, I want that to be clear. I'm not, I'm not crying because it happens so close to me. I'm happening because it keeps, I'm crying because it keeps happening. Um, and it breaks my heart that it ever happened. I was, um, I was in middle school when Columbine happened. <clears throat> and I remember the fear, um, that we felt and the fact that it was happening and that it happened in a school. It was like, wow, like nothing sacred. And I remember, you know, when we heard that the, the, um, shooters in that case, they had pulled the fire alarm to get a big crowd to come out and then they opened fire. And I remember the first time that we had a fire drill after Columbine, Kids were so scared, and my my school at the in middle school was right in the smack dab in the middle of a neighborhood. We had, you know, it was smack dab in the middle, and so some kids lived really close to my school. And when the fire alarm went off, and we had, you know, when they make you go outside, kids were so scared that they were going to get shot that they ran home. <laughs> and I remember that scary feeling and. And and what we felt, and it felt like a really scary time. And I'm 36 years old. I'm almost 40. And we still haven't solved this. Our, our, we're still dying. I was going to say our kids are still dying. They are. And we are, like, we're all dying from this. We're dying to protect guns and to protect corporations. Um, it's not okay. It is really, really not okay. This is not something that's just, oh, well, this happens. This should not sit comfortably in any of our minds and imaginations of what our lives can should look like. And the possibility of what our lives can be. It's not okay. And maybe this episode should still be called It's Not Okay. Because this is not okay. So you know what I learned? Um, I learned that something that I've been doing for years is actually a really great coping me mechanism for anxiety and stress. Um, and... I heard this from a therapist and I'm sorry, I don't have her name in front of me, but, um, she says that when you're feeling anxious and your heart rate is racing, you're supposed to interlock your thumbs with your palms facing towards your chest, like a bird, your hands should look like a bird, place your hands on your chest and lightly pat yourself. And this is supposed to be a comforting, calming mechanism to lower your heart rate. Now, it made me feel really encouraged because I always, I pat my chest um, when I am feeling anxious and when I really feel my heart beating out of my chest. And I, you know, right over in the center of my chest, I just keep my hand and I pat slowly. And for me, I've all, you know, because I'm a spiritual person and, um, 
I always think of my soul as being right there. And that might sound crazy to some of you that may not have like a spiritual connection or think about a soul, but I always think of my soul being right there. And I just feel like I'm comforting my soul or, you know, and slowing down my heart rate. And I just pat slowly. Um, and so I thought, you know, I'm no, I'm not doing it with both hands, but I'm doing that same kind of gesture. Um, and it makes me so, you know, sometimes it helps. Sometimes I, my anxiety is so bad. It doesn't. But um, I seem to always do that. And it always, it feels like I'm protecting my soul. Um, I do it when I'm scared or when I'm sad. And I just keep that hand there. And it feels like someone is covering me. Um, and, you know, that God is covering me. And I, I just kind of do that. And it felt really good that it was connected to something, you know, that's like a great, tool and like scientifically proven to calm you and give you peace when you're anxious. Um, and I just thought I would share that because mental health and everything that we can do to make ourselves feel better and give each other strength, whatever tips or tools that you use or you have, I would like to hear them and, um, and I will share things as I learn them too. Um, but yeah, I thought I would share that. You know who I'm not going to let destroy my mental health best friend? That's Falcon in the Winter Soldier series. I'm not going to let them do that to me. They are not going to drive me crazy with this series. But um, I was able to catch up on episodes four and five that I previous that I had missed. And so I want to recap those really quickly because episode six will come out on Friday. And that should be the series finale. It really shouldn't be. We deserved more. Um, but that's neither here nor there. We deserve more than six episodes but I will say that before watching I was trying to avoid social media um and the comments about the series because as you know or you should know best friend I hate spoilers I did not want it to spoil anything because I have I'm so into this stuff that a lot of things I pick up on and so I hate getting spoilers and it ruined any bit of surprise that I may have. Um, but I, I knew from the end, the kind of cliffhanger of episode three with Bucky and Ayo and the Kamoyo beads, you know, him, her leaving the trail for him and he picked them up and realized she was there and their little, their short interaction. I knew she would have a bigger role in episode four and boy, did she, she really did the, um, Ayo and the Dora Milaje were all up and through there doing their thing. They're after that raggedy Zemo who I cannot stand, who triggers me at every turn. Um, so, you know, he, he, Zemo is responsible for the death of King T'Chaka. So the Dora Milaje and Wakanda wants to bring him to justice, uh, lock him up lock him up, chant it. That's what they want to do. Um, so Bucky is begging Dora, uh, begging the Dora Milaje to give him a couple days with Zemo. They need him to tie up some loose ends. And she really feels, and the, you know, the Dora Milaje and Ayo, they feel betrayed by Bucky because here they take him in. They not only heal his mental state and his health and, um, finally cure him of the brainwashing and the brain manipulation that Hydra had over him for over 50 years where he no longer responds to those trigger words to cause him to be compliant with um, 
with violence and with assassinations and they can cause him to do all these crazy things. It's it's in Wakanda that he's healed. It's by the help of of not only the Black Panther himself, but his sister, uh, Shuri, the entire family. And Wakanda takes Bucky in and they feel betrayed because he let Zemo out of prison, um, is working with him, partnered up. And it's like, fam, like you white wolf and you come in, you know what I mean? So they were feeling some type of way as they should. And, um, so Bucky asked for a few days. So the Dora Milaje is waiting in the wings, uh, to take Zemo. Um, but so that's that side of the, um, conversation. But I also want to bring in the fact that, um, but, uh, Buck, Bucky and Sam are still trying to get to, um, Miss Shea Moisture, uh, Carly. We see your curls popping, sweetie. Um, so, uh, shout out to Carly. <laughs> so they want, they're still trying to meet up with her because they're realizing that she's, um, not only victim, but villain, you know, she's vic villain and victim at the same time. And so they see why she's hurting. They see what, um, you know, what the world has done to people like her that feel alienated after the return of the millions and after the blip and, blip and billions of people, um, after the blip, they have been, banished, uh, basically, you know, they've been living free of border, free of a lot of, um, government regulations. And now all of that is back because of everyone has blipped back and it, they're making it like society just went back to business as usual, which we all know in reality would literally be impossible. If something like that were to happen. But anyways, so they want to talk to her. Of course, this faux cap, um, John Walker and his partner, Lamar, they are coming in like, um, they feds and they want to take over. And, uh, John Walker is basically saying like, I don't want, you know, we're not going to talk to Carly. We're going to bring her in and we're going to, you know, he's wanting to bust heads and all that. And they're like, not only, did she whoop you and she's a super soldier and has the serum, but they feel like they can reason with her. Cap and Buck, not Cap and Bucky, Bucky and Sam feel like they can reason with her. Yes, really Cap, because um, Falcon deserves to be Captain America. But anyways, so that all goes down. So Falcon tries to talk to, Sam Wilson tries to talk to Carly. He meets her at the funeral of her uh, mother figure, the woman who helped her and so many others who were orphans and needed food and shelter. Um, she has died. She has fallen ill and she died. And so they go to the funeral and Sam feels like he can talk to her there, reason with her. In the middle of their conversation, um, hothead John Walker bursts in, uh, bust up the whole little, you know, come to Jesus moment that they were having and they were really relating. So now Carly feels violated. She feels like Sam was a distraction to catch her off guard and she's very upset. 
Mind you, she's got the serum on her at this point. She goes to uh, the hiding spot. They get the serum. So they have it to distribute it out. And they're even at the scene where they're getting the serum, her and her conspirators, they're like, should we be doing this? And she's like, you know, this is for a good cause. We've got to protect ourselves. Blase, blase. So anyways, it's on her when John Walker bursts in. He... um. He's fighting her. Zemo gets in the mist and he is breaking bottles. Um, and he hurt. Um, I don't know. I feel like Zemo shot, shot, shot Carly, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, she gets wounded. And while she's wounded and like she retreats really quickly, which that was kind of unrealistic to me because she is a super soldier she is wounded but she could have thrown him kicked him even with her good leg with her good hand you know like we've seen the power that she's capable of there was still some shots she could have got in but for the purpose of the story she was so wounded she's running and hiding and as she's running Zemo is breaking she's he's stepping on the um serum capsules well John Walker burst in knocks Zemo out with the shield and he finds one last vial of serum uh, that that uh, Zemo did not was not able to smash before he knocked him out. So he slides that discreetly in his pocket. No one knows. And, you know, the battle kind of ends. Carly gets away. Everybody disperses. Um, of course, Falcon and Bucky are furious at John. Um, and they tell him that they had it under control, you know, Falcon had it under control. He was doing his thing. So anyways, they are arguing. They are fighting. And they're backing out like a hotel room. The Dormelage come in. They're ready to snatch up Zemo. Um, this part I did not like at all that Bucky actually fought the Dormelage. He's like, you know, he wasn't trying to hurt them. But he's like trying to prevent them from getting Zemo because they still feel like they need Zemo at this point and they're fighting and they're going at it. And then you got John Walker and Lamar all in it. Like it's a full out battle. They're whooping tail. And while they're fighting, which I do not believe would have been the possibility. Like, you know, some stuff is like unrelatable to what they've shown us characters are capable of. And, you know, they do it just to move the plot along. Well, this part was unbelievable to me that the Dormelage were so caught up in fighting Sam and Bucky and John Walker and Lamar that they totally miss Zemo slipping away and escaping all of them. He totally leaves the fight. Like your whole point was him and you're known for stealth and eyes everywhere. I, I just don't see that really happening. But of course, to move the plot along, it happens. So Zemo escapes. And in the middle of the fight, well, it, during fighting, Io, who we saw in the beginning of this episode, being very hands-on in Bucky's recovery and training, she even gives him the, um, the words that would trigger him to test to see if he would react and he doesn't and it literally brings tears of joy to his eyes you see him break knowing like I am free like they really freed me so you see that that moment happened with Io it didn't happen with Shuri you know because at the end of uh 
uh, Black Panther, the film, you know, we see Shiri going to get White Wolf and telling him that she has more to teach him. So you see that she was very hands-on in this training, but this moment in particular of Bucky's healing and knowing that he is um, no longer under the power of those words happened with Ayo. And so we know that Ayo knows a lot. This Ayo, they show her giving him his arm and everything that. So we know she knows the tricks of the trade. So in this fight, it's getting too wild and heated. She does a couple of, of strategic moves and literally dislocates Bucky's arm, like literally removes it from his body. He's in shock. He didn't know this was something that was capable that was capable of happening he's like what as he's sitting there holding his own arm looking like boo boo the fool so it's a really <laughs> it's definitely a funny moment it's definitely um gratifying to see because i didn't like you know it's kind of like a um you know captain america civil war moment where i didn't like seeing you know the uh the airport scene where they're all fighting i didn't like that i don't like to see the heroes fight and especially Bucky fighting these people um, as in the Dora Milaje and the people of Wakanda that have done so much for him. I didn't like that for Zemo. Mm, mm. I feel the betrayal. I feel, I feel, um, I feel the disrespect. Um, I don't take it lightly. Um, we still love Bucky, but that that moment had me um had me all the way messed up um so we see a big um scene at the end and i'm going to skip all the way to the end uh where carly is again confronted by john she now does not trust sam and bucky and so it's an all-out fight. She's ready for war at this moment. She's already called and threatened um, Sam's sister. So you know he's feeling scared. He's you know it's like a it's a full-out fight. This is the big climax of the episode um, where they're fighting, and one of the um, you know so Carly is there, and another one of her henchmen who also has the uh, super soldier serum in him, I believe. So Carly and them are fighting and she throws Lamar. She throws him so hard. He hits a pillar and he's bleeding out of his mouth and he dies. Um, John goes off at this point. Carly flees and escapes into a big crowd. That's outside of where they were fighting. Um, Bucky and, and Sam are like coming up, uh, cause basically John Walker f chases them out. He's fighting. He gets, um, Carly's man, not Carly. He gets Carly's man and is like beating the crap out of him. And he knocks him down in front of this huge fountain where a lot of people are gathering. So phones are out and the guy says, I did not do it. I didn't do it. It wasn't me. And it wasn't him. They were, of course, they were all in the fight, but Carly killed him. Carly's the one who threw the guy. That's why I'm not sure if her man had the serum because he must not have because he was totally overpowered by, um, um, Walker. But 
what we kind of see in this fight and what they're kind of realizing. But we know because we saw him steal it, he's super powered. Walker is like on one in this um, in this fight. He's way more prepared physically than he was in the last. And so people are kind of like, you can see in the fight, they're kind of doing double takes. Like what? Like he's a lot stronger than he was the last time. So he's got the serum. And like I said, this guy, he may have had it too, but John is like too much with the serum and the shield. He is um, like whooping his butt. So the guy is on his back, hands up. Um, very familiar um, with you know, what's going on right now, but he has his hands up. He's saying, I did not do it. It's not me. It's not me. John literally takes the shield and, um, kills this man. Like literally takes it vertically and puts the shield through the man blood caked on the shield. Um, and that was like the end of the episode. It wasn't my favorite episode. Uh, I think a lot of people loved it for, it was so juicy and the Dormelage had a big scene. Ayo had a big scene. The subject matter, it's a no for me. Um, that it wasn't, that wasn't what I call the best episode ever. So I, like I said, I glad that I did not watch episode four when it came out and that I did not have to wait a week to see episode five. I immediately watched episode five right after I finished four. Um, and we see, we see the episode five pick up where that episode left off. You see, um, John Walker running away from the scene with the shield, flipping out. He finds this old abandoned building and he's just having like this mental breakdown, um, reliving the last few minutes um, that have brought him to this state. So you see him once again, they replay the moment with the shield. It looks like he literally, they don't show it, of course. You just see how the man is laying. You see the way he elevates the shield above even over his own head and brings it down. It looks like he must have decapitated this man with the shield. Um, but you know, we don't see that part of it. And so he's running away. Bucky and Steve catch up to Steve. Steven Rogers, Captain America. And in our era of Captain America, Chris Evans is so heavily on the brain and he will make a guest appearance in the end of this podcast. But I digress. I meant Sam. Sam, they catch up to him. They're like, bro, you got to give up the shield. This is wrong. You were wrong. Blah, 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 blah. And you see that that John Walker's character was already messed up, but um, post serum, he is really feeling himself and he's very arrogant and aggressive. And he's just like, Oh, that's what it was about all along. You're not worried about, uh, the law or justice. You're worried about the shield and da, 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 da. And he's like getting cocky about it instead of, um, you know, that regret that we just witnessed for a second dissipates to him being arrogant and unapologetic all of a sudden. Sam and Bucky are able to get the shield. They have to literally break his arm 
to get it. They have to fight him physically. Um, I was kind of shocked by that because, like I said, you see him running away, freaking out. I thought he was going to be, like, willingly handed over like I know I did wrong. But you're seeing how this serum is playing with his mind and his aggression. It's keying up his aggression and his arrogance that we've already seen. It has been amplified. Like, we know to be true, the serum brings... It intensifies more of who you already are. That's why um, Steve Rogers was worthy of the serum. He was already a good man. And what the, the doctor begged him, not just be the night before he received the serum, but his last, his dying breath, he's pointing at Steve's heart, be a good man. And so we see that, that John Walker was not capable of that. He was not worthy of the serum. He was not worthy of the shield. He was not worthy of the moniker of Captain America. Sam and Bucky have the shield. And you see, I was like, oh, when Sam took the shield, I'm like, do not wipe that blood off with your hand. But of course he does. Um, but also I want to say, um, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I knew in episode four, I knew without any spoilers, I knew Lamar was going to die. I don't know. I, there was a moment foreshadowing in the beginning of the episode where he's like, they've got Lamar. They've got Lamar. Like the first time him and uh, Lamar fought Carly. And I said, they're going to let Lamar die in this. And of course they did. So I just want to shout out myself. <laughs> Maybe I'm not worthy of the serum either, but anyways. Um, <laughs> so the episode continues. John Walker is stripped of his title as Captain America. He is given dishonorable discharge. He loses his pension. Um, he is basically disgraced. A lady comes up to him who is Julia Dreyfus, um, a.k.a. Uh, star of Seinfeld, star of Good Wife, star of Vi uh, VP, what is that, that Vice President show. You know her, you love her. Um, she comes up to John Walker and they're like, him and his wife are sitting outside, rejected and dejected, and um, she says she knows he uh, doesn't have the shield, she knows he took the serum and she was like, call when you accept my call, like that's going to be your best decision. She hands her business card and saunters off and they look at the card. It has no information. It's completely blank. She says to call her Val. Um, so look for more from her in episode six. She definitely is going to make an, another appearance, a major appearance. And um, also, you know, she posted on social media, Julia Dreyfus herself, um, and had her business card. And this one actually had her full name on it. Um, so, yeah, just a little teaser of her. I liked her hoops, by the way. Um, so we see Bucky and and Sam back in New Orleans or Louisiana, um, not New Orleans specifically, but in Louisiana and back at home, he meets, uh, Bucky meets Sam's sister, uh, Sarah, who he is like eyeing immediately. And I was like, Bucky, don't be looking at her like that. Don't be smiling at her like that. Um, no, you're not gonna... <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know why, but I immediately became like overprotective. I was like living through, <laughs> I was, I was channeling Sam Wilson, um, who is, you know, later on is like, don't flirt with my sister. I knew it was coming because he would, gave her the eye immediately. It was like, hi, I'm Buck. You know, like he was like, I've never seen him instantly flirty like that since probably um, the first Avenger when he meets uh, that heifer, um, uh, Peggy. Oh, <laughs> I'm gonna stop calling people heifers. I am. I, you know, God's not through with me yet. But um, so they have their little moment, and that you you see, Sam is really he's going through a transformation in this episode. He goes back to the the black man that has also had the super serum. He goes back to Baltimore. He talks with him and gains some more insight on why this man is angry, why he, you know, said he says to Sam, no self-respecting black man will be in them stars and stripes and, you know, it be the symbol of Captain America because of what America has done two black men and done to him specifically, you know, he wasn't held a super soldier. He wasn't held a hero. He was put in prison. He was experimented on. He was, he was lied about his, they told his family he was dead, you know, after they've done all this to him. And so Sam sees and feels his rage. And, you know, not only does Sam understand what has happened to him in particular, but at society as a at large and so he has to feel the weight of this like I am thinking about representing America but has when has America represented me and and been kindly to me and loved me as a child of this country um so you see him gr grappling with that and so you know he kind of has a, you know, a heart-to-heart -heart moment with Bucky or more of a enlightened moment where it's like, you know, Bucky says, when Cap talked about handing you the shield, we never thought about what it meant to be a black man carrying this or putting this weight on. And so you see that Bucky is kind of coming to uh, understand and empathize with Sam and why he gave up the shield um, and why he thought it wasn't his to carry. Um, so we see those moments. Uh, you see that Sam, you know, after trying to force his sister to sell the boat, you know, that they need it for money, when they get to the point where the boat is in good repair and they're getting to a point where they can sell it, all they have to do is paint it and paint their parents' names off the side. Sam can't do it, and they realize they don't want to sell the boat and that they're going to do whatever they can, you know, for their family uh, to continue, which was cute. It was a cute moment. Um, and the episode kind of ends, you know, so I'm not giving you all the tea, but I'm giving you a lot of tea. Um, <clears throat> the episode ends with Sam training with the shield, um, at first, him and Bucky are training with it, and they're just talking, but you end with him running and really amping up his role as Captain America. This part bothered me a little bit because he's been a superhero. He's been an Avenger for a long time now. 
He's not new to this. He's true to this. So to make him like he's gearing up to be a hero, he's been one. He's been on that superhero-ish. So that kind of bothered me. It still feels like he has to earn his spot. And it's not that he has already earned it, that he is already that man, that he is about that superhero life like Don Cheadle says in Endgame. You know, so... That kind, that part kind of didn't sit well with me, but it's amping up for a an explosive end in episode six. So we'll just have to wait and see. So just a little tea, a little silly tea. If this doesn't give you life, nothing will. So as promised, here's Captain America and the Lizzo story. <laughs> so um, Lizzo drunk DM'd Captain America, and it was just like some emojis. Um, but she, uh, posted it the next day and was like, you know, making a joke of it. And she had like a voiceover of a fan talking about Captain America. And I know like Chris Evans is hilarious and he is the ultimate gentleman. And he's also very funny and doesn't take himself too seriously. So I knew he would have a comical response and he did in pure Chris Evans fashion. And he was just like, there's no shame in it. Don't be embarrassed. Um, and I've clearly done worse things on this app, um, which he's of course referencing his little, um, PP pick <laughs> that, uh, surfaced online, which I purposely didn't talk about. And like, there was a whole thread among his fans that was going around like, don't share it. Don't repost it. Don't even like, um, mention it so more fans won't try to look it up, which I did to keep my man's privates, his own, his privates and keep it private. Um, but yeah, I thought it was really cute because I knew he was going to respond. Like he was not going to just ignore, um, this situation, ignore her. So I love it. I'm waiting on a, <laughs> a post COVID Cap and Lizzo meet up with a hug or something. Like he's that cute. <laughs> And we love the good sis Lizzo for always wilding out. I live vicariously through her every time she hugs Harry Styles. And now she's on my man. Um, but I'm not going to be no hater. Uh, so I love to see it. And it was really funny. All right, best friends. It's time for a word. Um, I just want to say, if you didn't learn anything from Disney's Tangled, learn this one thing. There is healing in your tears. Um, and I'm referring, of course, into the part of Rapunzel where her hair is cut off. Finn is dead and she is crying because her magical hair is gone and she doesn't think she can heal him. She's crying and singing her healing song that normally would make her hair magic. And she's laying on his chest crying. And as she sings the song... Her tears are falling on him. And the same effect her hair has, her tears have. And she literally brings him back to life with her tears. And I remember the first time seeing that movie and um, just having that immediate reaction. I mean, I think I'll even lift up my hands. I'm like, there's healing in your tears. And I say that because, you know, I cry a lot. And um, I'm just beginning to be open about my crying and you might think that might be surprising to see as how many times I've already cried <laughs> in this podcast, um, you know, in these episodes and I've cried in this episode specifically, but, um, 
it's taken me a while to not be ashamed of my tears, but I still catch myself if I'm crying in a conversation or when I'm speaking, you automatically say, I'm sorry. And I've seen it so many times on videos lately where people are talking about these horrible, sensitive issues and they're talking, they're talking through horrible trauma that they've just experienced and they still recoil and say, I'm sorry. I watched Pharrell speak at his his cousin's funeral, um, his, his, um, cousin in, in Virginia beach, Virginia was literally killed by police a couple weeks ago. And he spoke at the funeral, um, visibly heartbroken. And when he started to cry, he still said, I'm sorry. And I want us as a culture. Um, I want us even, you know, of course I, I um, think about and I'm always pivoting to the black community because that's the community I'm in. We have to embrace our tears and we have to be able to release them. Both um, men, women, and non-binary, everything in between. We have to be able to cry and we cannot be um, embarrassed or apologetic about it. I, you know, I, I don't want anybody to be hurting. Um, but I also don't any, want anyone to suppress when they are hurting. Even our children, when they are upset or get hurt or fall down and we immediately don't cry, don't cry. No, they're allowed to cry. They're allowed to have their feelings, even when they're in trouble and they're crying. Don't, don't cry. I give you, no, they, shouldn't have to suppress how they feel. Even if they're, you know, did something wrong, their feelings are not wrong. Their feelings are not invalid. We have to allow ourselves to cry and to show emotion and not e immediately equate that with weakness. I hate like when, when people are hurting and they, are able to do something without crying. You know, someone's mother dies and they're able to give a speech at the funeral without crying. They're like, they're so strong. You know, they did that without crying. Like, that's not what we should be celebrating. And what we are encouraging is a suppressing of it. So some people are suppressing and holding things in that shouldn't be held in. And they're killing themselves, literally giving themselves ulcers and mental conditions and and anxiety and fear because they can't let out those emotions because we have not given people the space to feel how they feel. Be unapologetic about your emotions, about every tear that you shed. Cry when you need to cry. Um, let it out when you need to let it out. And um, truly actively be aware of that energy. Be aware of every time that you are saying you're sorry and try to stop that um, because your tears are necessary. We are living in the craziest, most tumultuous time that many of us have ever experienced. We are collectively going through trauma that will impact the rest of our lives. It is okay, it is necessary, it is healthy to cry. Um, we are losing people at an alarming rate to sickness, disease, police brutality, mass shootings. We've had more mass shootings than days of the year. Um, it is a time to cry. It is a time to heal. If we are not um, allowing ourselves in the space to 
to cry, to show emotion. We are letting it out in these unhealthy and terrifying ways. Cry and allow others to cry. As I've said before, be someone's safe space. Let someone allow someone to vent and share. Look for more ways for yourself to share and vent. Find those places and those so those thing those places that seem safe to you. You know, we just lost another hip hop legend, Black Rob. He was just on um, you know, online last week mourning the loss of DMX and now a week later, you know, the our the you know, the hip hop community and his fans at large are mourning him and it's beautiful every time that I have seen, you know, men and women sharing in this community and crying and reaching out to people. I've seen, you know, these celebrities who are not, you know, speaking or ha we haven't seen them, vi you know, visibly together are reaching out to one another. People are saying, call me and do this and do that. And we have to have more of that. Allow yourself to cry you don't have to apologize for it and check anybody who tries to make you feel apologetic, who tries to make you feel embarrassed. Keep your emotions. There's so many heartless out here. There's so many cold and calculated people. Be willing and being vulnerable and being willing to cry is not a fault, is only an asset and always keep your heart. Keep your heart, three, three stacks, keep your heart, but not in his way. He meant don't fall in love. I mean love with abandon.